0: I'm Mike Butler
1: <laughs> and I'm Elise
0: and this is cracking one open with Mike and Elise a podcast about brews, news and
1: pop culture reviews that's right motherfuckers
0: you could be about the motherfuckers
1: <laughs> that's two beeps <laughs> <laughs> well uh as we mentioned last episode we'll actually be trying something a little different this time
0: hardcore drugs <sighs> <laughs>
1: We'll be cracking open a wine this time uh, around. Oh. <laughs> oh. But yeah. I already got started yeah, you, earlier. No, you should stash that away. Oh, maybe, okay. maybe flush it.
0: <laughs> flush it? You know how much for this
1: cost? Is that uh, why our savings went down?
0: Yeah. They take Squarespace now. Ah, oh, God damn it. SquarePay, rather. <laughs> <laughs> I just wiped my debit card.
1: Anyway. Uh, This week, we will be cracking open a wine called Hiatus from Knocking Point Wines, which is located in Walla Walla, Washington. Walla Walla. And it does have a top that cracks, so it still counts. (laughs) Plus, the name of the wine is also accurate. We did take kind of a little hiatus for the holidays. Not that it was necessarily by choice because your schedule was nuts.
0: Yeah, my job is weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So knocking point, Uh, the co-founders of this company are Andrew Harding and Stephen Amell, who you've heard us mention several times in previous episodes because he currently stars as Oliver Queen on CW's Arrow, which is in its final season. (laughs) But knocking point was founded way back in 2012. And from the get go, it's been a little different than your average winery. They've relied very heavily on social media to spread the word about the company. And there are two big things in my opinion that make it unique. First is that the majority of their wines are collaborations with friends and celebrities and or uh influencers. So we've had wines curated by Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum of Smallville fame and they're actually doing another collaboration with Knocking Point so we're super excited for that to be delivered this week.
0: Those are some of the best wines I've ever had. Seriously.
1: Um Emily Bett-Ricards and Colton Haynes, respectively, who also star on Arrow, Jonathan Bennett from Mean Girls, uh, Jason Momoa, Adam Carolla, Zachary Levi, Jennifer Goodwin, and a lot of others, too. Second is that it is a subscription wine club, which we obviously belong to. And as Mike just mentioned, we've been impressed with pretty much every box so far, but especially that first one with. Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum, The Pure and Evil. That was fantastic. And generally, I'm a bigger fan of crisper white wines. And Mike is a, a fan of more dry and smoky reds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we've both been able to at least appreciate the quality and the, the complexity of, of each wine, even if it's not to our particular taste. And we are not being compensated to promote Knocking Point Wine Club. But if you're listening, Stephen, we love you.
0: we would like to be compensated right (laughs) that goes for anyone we talk about on this podcast that's
1: also true (laughs) yes um so let's get into hiatus it is a rosé blend composed of grenache and syrah varietals that were all grown in washington state um and of course i couldn't not look into these grapes much like i love researching each of the hops in the beers that we drink so here we go Grenache grapes are some of the most widely planted red wine grape varieties in the world, and it does grow all over the world, but it most likely originated in Spain. And flavor characteristics include strawberry, black cherry and raspberry, as well as anise, oregano, tobacco, citrus rind. And for the more discerning wine taster, apparently cinnamon is a dead giveaway of Grenache. Mm. (laughs) now as I mentioned these grapes are grown all over but American Grenache tends to lean more acidic so it's often blended with Syrah like in this wine to smooth out the flavor and here's a little tidbit I thought you might appreciate Uh, apparently Grenache doesn't just pair well with spicy foods when it's served slightly chilled it can actually help reduce the burn of spicy foods because the alcohol is a solvent to capsaicin and I don't know what makes specifically Grenache the Best as opposed to other wines, but there you go.
0: But I like the burn. (laughs) That's why I like spicy food.
1: It makes me feel alive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So, Mervedri, I'm butchering that name. Grapes produce a, I don't know why they use this word, meaty and Mm. full body red wine. Uh, It smells like an explosion of dark fruit, flowers like violet, and herbaceous aromas of black pepper, thyme, and red meat. Okay then. Yeah. And although the grape is known by a French name, its origins are almost certainly Spanish. Now, Syrah typically produces a dry, full-bodied wine with a brisk acidity and firm tannins with a range of flavors from smoke, bacon, herbs, red and black fruits like raspberry and blackberry, black pepper to floral violet notes. Again, Syrah usually comes from Rhone, France, but it's also grown in California and Australia. And interestingly, even though it's the same grape grown in all of these regions, the environmental and temperature differences create a very different tasting wine. And that's why it's known as Shiraz when it comes from Australia. Ooh! So I'm seeing a pattern in all the tasting notes for each of these grapes. But apparently when you put them together in a rosé, it creates a completely different animal. So according to Knocking Point, in this wine, you're going to taste notes of strawberry, lemon, pink grapefruit and melon. It was aged in stainless steel, resulting in low sweetness but medium and refreshing acidity, with a medium body and low tannin levels. It pairs well with strawberry and goat cheese salad, ahi tuna tartare, vegetable crudite, and shellfish. And the I know you're going to want to talk about the bottle itself. The art is by Brian Brown, who's also done other bottles for Knocking Point as well, and it doesn't have a description on there, so According to the website, this wine's story, just when you thought the summer couldn't get any better, you'll reach peak hiatus with this rosé in your glass. And that's a personal guarantee from Stephen Amo For Stephen, hiatus is about winding down and spending time with loved ones. Whether it's traveling the world or enjoying some much needed time off at home, a good bottle of rosé is always the key to reaching peak hiatus. Stephen teamed up with friend and winemaker Sean Boyd to make a rosé that would top the summer off. One that's refreshing, that has finesse, and it has that all day, all night drinkability.
0: All day, all night.
1: (laughs) Starting a jam session over here?
0: Kinda. All right. Maybe that's what I do. Maybe I create theme songs for different people's um, bottles as we go on the show. Ooh. And then we sell the jingles.
1: That's your new thing for 2020?
0: 2020. 2020 (laughs) is the year of the jingle. (laughs) So the bottle of Hiatus is pretty much just a clear bottle. It shows off the rosé inside, which Mm -hmm. is a nice pinkish kind of copper color it's very pretty uh and then you've got this nice sky blue kind of label on top of it which is kind of like this nice kind of almost resume type paper that's on top and it's got yeah, this it light a blue texture. shade uh and it's very simple it's got the knocking point logo which is of course arrows going mm-hmm. through it
1: it's very clean looking
0: it is and uh just says knocking point it's got Stephen Amell's signature as well as the other winemaker Andrew Harding Andrew Harding and okay. <laughs> it says hiatus and the hiatus which is interesting is it's spelt hiatus it's just regular font but the u for hiatus kind of goes down and off screen through the s because it's almost like a planes uh i was just noticing that up on up the other side on the on the bigger stream. logo yeah yeah which is pretty cool mm-hmm.
1: and very it says, subtle very clean
0: that's it that's it. on the front label that's all it says and then on the back you get those signatures and you get wherever your hiatus might take you be sure to bring this delicious rosé it's 13.2% alcohol by volume.
1: Nice. Which
0: uh, for any uh, discerning uh, booze people is uh, 26.4 ABV. Or it's not proof. bad,
1: isn't that? I mean, 13 is pretty average for a wine. Yeah,
0: it's not. Yeah. 750 milliliters. I think I don't think, I don't know if Knocking Point makes bigger bottles. If you're part of the Tastemaker Club, you only get, we, we've we only gotten the 750s.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just your standard.
0: Yeah. Which is, this yes, it's the standard size for wine, uh, not the oversized bottle.
1: The big boys. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. It contains sulfites, guys. Uh-oh. And that's it. The rest of the bottle, the bottle's capped white, and it's, like Elise has <laughs> mentioned, it's a twist off.
1: So you want to crack no it? No
0: corks. Let's crack it.
1: <laughs> Ew. Now we're going to do this like animals and not let it air out. It doesn't say anything about needing to be um, aerated
0: or anything. It's a white wine. Does it need to be aerated out?
1: It's a rosé. I, mean, I don't low,
0: know. Low tannins. They it's, said, it's right? It's all
1: it's all red wine grapes. Glug 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 glug
0: glug. Your wine, my girl.
1: Why? Well, thank you.
0: So, like she said, we both appreciate the wines Ooh. from Knocking Point so far, even if they're not our normal standard wines. I don't think they're, there there might have been one wine that was very sweet that I wasn't a huge fan of because mm-hmm. I don't like wines that are very sweet. But I have liked all the white wines that we've had here. Yeah, which is is surprising. But I think a lot of Knocking Point's wines are wines for guys. Like that's what Stephen Amell uh, uh, was going fair. for, yeah. and his his partner in it. They were going for.
1: They even have one called Pink Wine for Dudes.
0: Pink Wine for Dudes. They had a show <laughs> before, right before Knocking Point went on, where they toured the wine country called um, Wine Country for Duke Guys or something like that. It was a Netflix oh, I don't show or something that. like that, or a Hulu show. So they, they tried to they try to make it appetizing for for guys. Yeah, to get I more, think that's part more of the Knocking Point brand. Mm-hmm. And. I had always liked red wines, but I think with knocking point, getting the tastemaker's box, being like forced to get some wines that you normally wouldn't get. Yeah. You learn a lot of new stuff and you learn a lot of wines that are really good. Like, oh, I never thought I'd like as many white wines as I do Mm -hmm. now that we've got this box. So without further ado, let's smell this Mm rosé.
1: It does smell good.
0: Oh, it does. And let's clink it. Clink. Nice.
1: It is. It's very berry-y compared to other rosés that I've had, which are not, I've not had many but
0: it is it is, is very really very good e- i definitely get that strawberry and i do get the hint mm-hmm. of the lemon yes at the end there to kind of give it's it crisp. like a different kind of flavor mm-hmm. almost like a juicy juice for adults <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> but not that
1: <laughs> ah
2: also, we need crazy that, straws
0: uh, also not that sickeningly sweet though mm-hmm. which is nice because I can see you take, I can see people, other people taking these flavors mm-hmm. and uh, I, don't, I don't know if they add sugar or just put more of the natural fruit sugars in there, but I, I can see a rosé like this normally from other, made by maybe some other brands making yeah. it way too sweet.
1: Yeah. It might just be the power of suggestion, but I, I really want some, some veggies to munch on right now. <laughs> you want some crudita. Crudités. This is good. This bottle will be finished tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I know the, the tasting notes didn't say anything about like the cinnamon and stuff in terms of the wine. Just the grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't get any of that kind of no. I mean, that kind of flavor. But at this point, we're watering it down and making it wine. And
1: yeah, and the, the complexity is probably changed a little bit when it's blended with so many other grapes. And
0: what were the other notes that I'm supposed to get off of this? Um, strawberry, lemon. Tasting
1: uh so you, it says strawberry, lemon, pink grapefruit and melon. I definitely get melon. Now that I reread that.
0: Mm, I can get the pink grapefruit pretty good. In fact, now that I know now that you've reset pink grapefruit, I might get that more than the uh strawberry. No, more than the lemon. Oh, okay. That might be the citrus where I'm getting my citrus. I don't know if I get the melon that you're getting. Really? We have
1: different pellets.
0: Pellets. <laughs> this is good though. It is. Have we had a rosé by them before?
1: We have. Uh, that was actually Jonathan Bennett, the guy from Mean
0: Girls. Oh, oh. right, that was good too. That was that wen- was good.
1: Uh, Wednesday rosé because <laughs> on Wednesdays they wear pink. <laughs> yep.
0: That was a while ago though. It's too that bad because yeah. it would be nice to be able to compare like the two rosés that they put out. Mm-hmm. The tastemakers box is what we get, right?
1: Yep. So Monthly. You
0: get two wine bottles a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously.
1: Generally, it's-, it's a red and a white, but we have gotten some some boxes where it's two reds
0: or two whites mm. or a, a white and a rosé mm-hmm. or lately they've been putting out boxes where it's two of the exact same bottle
1: mm, yeah they did that twice but one of them there was a reason for it it said that it ages well
0: so they wanted you, so to they age recommended one. you to
1: yeah yeah try one now and save one for later
0: see how it changes which is interesting yeah uh which we plan on taking like tasting notes and putting it on the bottle and then coming back to the bottle later on when we want it
1: yeah to see how much it changed and what about it changed?
0: It was very good. Very refreshing. It was a hiatus. Very
1: refreshing. Yeah. I kind of wish we had this back in the summertime when it came out. Or nah, it wasn't summertime. It was like August.
0: Yeah. Was, the summer was winding down when yeah. this came out. But we've been wanting to do this on the show for a while. And other new beers kept coming out. So we wanted to do <laughs> new beers. And then we had the Halloween episode and the Christmas episode. So we hadn't really been able to get to the wine yeah, it's in time. just
1: get pushed back.
0: So I don't think at the moment, I don't know if you can get hiatus still.
1: It's still on the website. Yes, it's,
0: it is still available. So you can order. You don't have to be part of the Tastemakers Club. You can order these wines online as well. Mm-hmm. Just, be, but there there
1: is a membership discount.
0: And just be aware that whenever you order booze online,
1: you have to be you have
0: to sign present
1: for it. to sign for it. Yeah, like I have I have to have it delivered to work,
0: <laughs> so that she knows she's there, so we can get it. Yeah, um, it's not something they leave on the stoop for you. No, nah. it's something that they have to have delivered to you. You got to be twenty one. and You got to sign for it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Which makes it a little complicated if you're never in the same place more than once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and obviously, if you're out of the country.
1: I think they even have restrictions as to what states they can ship to. Yeah, right now, so like there are some yeah, states that I, I they've been like, we can't ship out of, to here yet of or country. here.
0: Uh, maybe Canada. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well,
1: I would hope so. Isn't Stephen from Canada?
0: Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean. That he's just being given an exemption in terms of. No, your, but like, I'm goods. sure he would
1: make the extra effort to make to sure it that to they, Canada? they could yeah. if they have oh, the a lot ability of fans up
0: there. Any films up there? Yeah. Although I will say that I still haven't gotten my hat no. or shirt for Knocking Point yet. Yeah, that was supposed to be
1: part <laughs> of the promo for si- when I signed him up.
0: <laughs> but that's fine. I forgive you guys. You guys have created great wine with cool bottles, cool descriptions, not overly gaudy or bougie or. Something that makes me not want to get the wine. Yeah,
1: it's not intimidating.
0: Not it's at approachable. all. Yes, and it's a very approachable brand.
1: It's stuff that we generally wouldn't have tried otherwise, because we usually go for the you know under ten dollar bottles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my apothec is twelve dollars,
1: nine ninety nine now. <laughs> it was twelve dollars when I started getting it,
0: and as you guys all know, we're we're mostly beer people. Yeah. So.
1: It's nice to switch it up and or at least be forced to switch it up a little bit. Be classy. Yeah.
0: So while we continue to uh, finish this bottle,
1: like a bunch (laughs) of very responsible adults. Yes.
0: (laughs) Let's move on to the other portion of our podcast.
1: You got a review for us?
0: Do I ever? So I've semi recently finished the entirety of the first season of the Witcher. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I will be reviewing now. So The Witcher for those who don't know is a series of novels, uh, I believe they are from Poland originally, mm-hmm. written by and I'm sorry I'm going to mispronounce his name. <laughs> Andrzej Andrzej Sapkowski. He wrote the short stories that began the uh World of the Witcher. And then he wrote the, I think, I believe that right now we're there at four novels that um, talk of the Witcher's uh, saga as well. And the series is based on these shorts. A lot of people know the Witcher by the video game, very popular, uh, successful video game franchise as well Mm -hmm. from CD Projekt Red. The most recent being Witcher 3 Wild Hunt which um, won a lot of game of the year awards the year it came out a few years ago.
1: Yeah. I remember you really enjoying the video game, but I didn't know that it was based, that it was all based on a book series until the um, Netflix came out.
0: Yep. So the Netflix show, obviously the difference between the games, the show and the books is the games take place way later in the Witcher's story, essentially after either during or after the most recent books, whereas the show takes place during the beginning of everything. Uh, the, the the start and
1: so does the the show follow the books, whereas the video game went out went off on its own.
0: Kind of yeah, because the video game is exploring new territory for The Witcher Geralt of Rivia mm-hmm. is his name. You can you can set it a little in your own little things. You can do your own stories, whereas this kind of okay. adapts. You know, they're not like perfect retellings, but they do adapt the shorts the first few short stories and novels. Okay, so The Witcher, like I said, is about Geralt of Rivia who lives in this fictional world. Mm-hmm. Uh. Like a fantasy, magical fantasy, middle age world where monsters are real, but so are kingdoms and stuff like that. And it's basically like a European world that's very much like European. Like a lot of people make Game of Thrones comparisons Mm -hmm. to it because of how similar that is. So there's magic and monsters. And Guilt of Rivia is a witcher, a person that was taken as a young child Mm -hmm. and. Forced into a series of violent training and horrible experiments and tests and magics and mutations, mixing bloods and potions and pieces of mutants and stuff like that, and demons and stuff to try to create this hybrid human demon that can hunt all these monsters that are out in the world. Okay. So Geralt has witches all have gray hair. Only, I guess, one third of all boys that are taken to become witchers survive. Oh, damn. They have limited use of magic like you see in the in the games he's got a few spells that he can do it with his hands but in the um show so far all he can do is I think it's Arvi. Ard- it's called or something in the game where all he can do is basically use like force push. So he pushes stuff back. Okay. But he's also very strong. And can he still can come in handy. Yeah. He can take <laughs> potions as well, which sometimes have effects on how his body looks. So he'll like super veiny and go pale and his eyes go black, but allows him to see in the dark, be super strong, have great reaction time and be a little more immune to different monsters and stuff like that.
1: So like it turns him into a vampire temporarily. It kind sounds of, like. yeah.
0: So he drinks those potions and he's a little stronger for it. He also has... Has a very slow heart rate, which in the show kind of helps in terms of like poisons and monsters mm-hmm. that have like bad bite, like bites that'll normally kill a man. Yeah. Because his heart rate is slower. The blood doesn't go as it doesn't travel along his circulatory system as quickly. OK. He's got these yellow cat eyes that allow him to see at night a lot better as well. Although in the show, I believe they're just yellow. They're not actually. Um, he doesn't have like the slit cat eyes. It's just yellow uh, eyes to make him a little less weird looking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also heals very quickly and ages very slowly. So. hmm you also have yennefer it's basically that the, the show tells three different stories geralt of rivia yennefer and uh ciri or she's not really ciri yet she is that's like what the witcher calls her <sighs> Her name, her full name, I cannot remember for the life of me right now. But she's got a more full name. She's a princess whose kingdom is destroyed, but she's been promised to Gerald S's daughter due to the law of surprise that we've le- we learned we learn in flashbacks. Okay. So basically the Witcher has claim. Whenever he wants her, she's his daughter because he helped somebody and claimed a law of surprise. What? It's it's very complicated. It's it's like one of those kind of like honor based, you did something for me, so I owe you a law of surprise. If I get a boon, you get the boon. Whenever something surprising comes into my life that's worth something to me, you get it. So, if they came into riches, it's his. If they come into whatever, if they have a child, mm-hmm. it's his. Oh, damn. So, he does not want anything. So, he asks for a law of surprise and gets a child and finds out that they're pregnant. And he basically says, fuck. Uh- which, yeah, he actually says in the show, really? like, he doesn't want this kid, which is why he said the law of surprise. He goes, I just the same thing you did before. Like, you had a law of surprise. I'll just do a law of surprise. I, I, don't, I don't want anything. And then, oh my God, are you pregnant? And he just goes, fuck, (laughs) and goes and leaves the city. He wants nothing to do with the child that he's owed. But now that the kingdom is attacked and,
1: um, well, even though he's owed it, he, he, he's obligated to take it even if he doesn't want it.
0: Supposed to by honor. Uh. And at this point, at this, as the show goes on, the Cirilla, that's her full name. Princess Cirilla has no choice but to leave she's being attacked by this army from Nilfgaard, which is this Northern army (laughs) who they've been, they've been told. I love that name. (laughs) They've basically been told your, your destiny is to conquer or whatever. And they've been conquering lands. And of course, Cirilla's kingdom is conquered. Her grandmother is murdered.
2: Mm -hmm. Her
0: tutors are murdered. And basically she's been told, go find Geralt, he'll protect you. And so she's got to try to find Geralt of Rivia during the show. while all this is happening. You've also got Yennefer's story and Yennefer is a super powerful witch who has a whole bunch of powers at the beginning of the show. She's hunched back. She's being beaten and stuff like that. And she's discovered because she accidentally teleports herself into the world of, of witches and mages mm-hmm. and basically teleports herself to this tower where they all learn. And so she is able to escape and go back home, but is quickly bought by a witch and his father wants nothing to do with the hunchback girl and says, yeah, whatever I'll gun to sell you, whatever. How many shillings? Okay. <laughs> so, and then the witch lady takes her and she's taught, to use magic mm-hmm. and she's basically it's it's a it's a tough school this is not hogwarts oh. she's cut and beaten and and made fun of and and basically brought down and l- learns oh. to use magic yeah but what the witch teacher all notices from the start is she's super powerful okay so after her training is done basically she's remade turned unhunched back so she becomes this beautiful woman hmm um, with great powers, but the whole reshaping process takes away your uterus, basically. You can no longer have children. Oh, so we that's an a,
1: unfortunate side effect. We meet a Yennefer.
0: Um, when she meets Geralt, she's already been a witch at this point for 50 years because witches age even slower than witchers. Mm-hmm. And she's very depressed about her job. It's not as world changing and great as she thought it was. Mm -hmm. And she really regrets not being able to have a children, almost like children would be the greatest gift you could give the world. Children is how you can affect the world the most to have Mm -hmm. someone of your, uh, like create something that changes the world. Um, So she's trying to do all these crazy, very dangerous magical experiments to try to allow herself to have children again. Mm -hmm. And the whole show is eight episodes. It's got a lot of action. It's funny. It's kind of campy. It's not Game of Thrones.
1: I I did not, from, from what I've seen of it, I didn't get like funny. That's the
0: thing is like the trailers try to make it like the new game of thrones. Cause I think that's what they were hoping to try to grab onto. Uh, okay. But the, the series creators and stuff have never said, yeah, it's game of thrones. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some similar themes. It's, it's kind of darker fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of swearing, a lot of nudity, a lot of sex, a lot of naked Henry Cavill.
1: Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, when you put it that way, <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's got that, but it's got the camp of like Hercules and Xena, if they were made today, like not nineties okay. camp, not too campy, but it's yeah. got, it's very not self
2: like, yeah. ah, campy. It, it
0: knows what it is <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't try to take itself too seriously because honestly, if you're not Game of Thrones. It's very hard to make yeah, something don't like try. that and, and be too ver- that serious. It, yeah. It's hard to do that. Like Lord of the Rings mostly did it successfully. But even then, at some points in Lord of the Rings, it, it gets a little much. Mm-hmm. So The Witcher's a little tongue in cheek. You, you, you get some fun characters as well. Like The Witcher's friend uh, is he meets a bard named Jaskier mm-hmm. and uh, who in the video games and the novels, his name is Dandelion, his nickname. <laughs> But obviously For obvious reasons I don't I don't think they wanted to go That's too ridiculous of a name Yeah So this Bard creates songs For the Witcher Which I'm sure anybody who Has been anywhere on the internet Has heard the yes. uh, Toss a coin to your Witcher song
2: Yeah Toss a coin
0: So basically he makes the Witcher famous and him and the bard go on different adventures together. And and the whole series is done very interestingly because what you learn is the timelines of all your characters are actually on different timelines. So while you've been watching what you think is the show taking place at the same time, Uh have actually been taking place in three separate timelines that takes you a few episodes to realize. What? You can kind of get episode two gives you a pretty good hint, apparently, which I, I have to rewatch the show and know that mm-hmm. episode three, I started to kind of understand where they were going. OK. And at episode four, you kind of realize, oh, OK, these are not the same timelines. And then obviously what you realize.
1: That's cool, though, that they draw it out that long. Oh,
0: it's. I think it's very interesting. A lot. Yeah. I, apparently, a lot of people were frustrated by it and a little annoyed by it. But Why? I think it was re- it's a really interesting idea and really yeah. works well. And. Toward the end of the show, it gets a little frustrating because you realize when the timelines do kind of start to sync up mm-hmm. that certain characters were actually like so close to each other at certain points. And you're just like, cause you start to see the same event from another character's perspective and you're just like, what?
2: <laughs> what? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Stop and turn around. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it is really cool. It's very interesting. And I think very well done. Uh, I think while, um, Freya Allen, who plays uh, Cirilla or Siri, is is does a really good job. And her story is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, Anya Shalatra, I believe is her name. She plays Yennefer. She's very good. She's very conniving. But you also still feel for her. But I think she's a very interesting character because she is a fucking bitch <laughs> at the beginning of the show. She is super unlikable. And as the show goes, she's still unlikable. Mm-hmm. But you at least kind of feel for her. Kind of like the Red Witch. Mm, the Red Witch, you kind of understand. Dan, that she's not bad but she is bad yeah like what she yeah, she you realize that the who does she believe in the fire the fire god um oh, oh my god i can't, can't remember I, that name so too much rose already i haven't even finished my first glass <laughs> uh the, that whatever god she believes in mm-hmm. you you clearly get by the end of the show with the white walkers and everything okay a her magic is real yeah she makes a smoke demon in episode two or yeah. season two <laughs> but you realize that okay she's she's definitely a good guy or she wants to help the good guys but she's doing it through really she's villainous doing it means, by the book yeah which she get you learn at the end of the show she knows she's the bad guy and she lets herself get what she deserves kind yeah. of yeah uh yennefer's not that evil she's okay. just super self-centered uh, like what a bitch okay <laughs> uh Although she does do one thing, but also that other lady had it coming. So it's like, eh. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, she's a very interesting character because she's not really you would think wanting to have your female lead be like a good guy Mm -hmm. or honorable and stuff like that. And she's really not. But she is kind of like maybe the Catwoman to Henry Cavill's Batman, which is interesting because Henry Cavill, A... The main reason I wanted to watch this show before anything was Henry Cavill wanted to be the Witcher. And I already know that he was a big fan of the Witcher. Yeah. Because he talks about World of Warcraft and the Witcher. Henry Cavill's basically a huge nerd (laughs) who just happens to be this six foot four Superman looking dude. Yeah. Uh, He actually, fun fact, while he was getting, before he got cast (laughs) as Superman, he missed the phone call from Zack Snyder hiring him as Superman because he was busy doing a raid in World of Warcraft and ignored (gasps) Zack Snyder's initial phone call.
1: Whoa. Because he
0: was doing a World of Warcraft raid and didn't want to answer the phone uh
1: man <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he's a huge fan of the witcher so he's played the game two and a half times which the witcher is a huge game like i talk about the wow. mass effect series which i love which is like i have put 60 hours per playthrough on there the witcher is like each playthrough is over 100 hours if Damn. you want to do all the side quests and stuff and he's played it two commitment. and a half times exactly but he would call and tell his agent, I want to be I want to be Gerald Rivia. Mm-hmm. And they would call and he would call Netflix when he found out Netflix was doing the show. And he's talked about in interviews now. He's like,
1: didn't wasn't yeah, there something no, about I like, like him getting a in, yet? He, someone we'll accused him of being like irresponsible on set or something or late because he was playing Red Dead all the time.
0: No, that was or- I think that's Daniel Craig. Oh, no, that was the director of I talked about it in a previous episode. They, d- yeah, the director of the newest No Time to Die,
2: oh, okay. they accused
0: of playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and being late to set for James Bond. Yeah, okay. which he said, uh, I would be fired right away. That's absolutely untrue. Yeah, like you, you, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Henry, like Henry Cavill would call his call, net, have his agents call Netflix and we don't have a showrunner, mm-hmm. we'll let you know when we do. Blah, blah, blah. And like, he pushed for the character. So when he plays the character of Geralt Rivia, he plays. He's Geralt really into it. Yeah. Spot on. He's really into it. Huh. And his character is like, you're you're watching the guy from the games. And it, what's interesting is he does his own voice kind of, but he still keeps a lot of the mannerisms from The Witcher in the in the game series. Um, The same voice artist. He, he keeps that kind of low growl, but he does do it in a British accent. Mm hmm. Whereas The Witcher does it in a, an American accent, which is a little weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is strange.
0: But in, in The Witcher games, like everyone has a ton of different accents. You're not necessarily stuck with British. So he does his... Henry Cavill, obviously, is from England. He does his English accent, but with mm-hmm. this snarled kind of low growl of uh, of The Witcher. On the show, it's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, some of the effects are not great because it's got a Netflix budget, but not a Stranger Things budget. Uh. So it's not game of thrones in terms of their special effects there are some creatures yeah. he fights are kind of cool well, I mean, even, even st- in
1: early game of thrones there were some things that were like not amazing
0: that's true yeah and there's some sets they got that aren't expanded yeah. yeah so in in this there are a couple of like practical effects like he fights a striga which is like a an aborted baby monster basically Ooh. and um it's actually a huge monster but it, it comes from like a, an abandoned child or something like that that's mm-hmm. how it becomes the striga and it's really really gross and cool. And the fight scenes are really nice with how Henry Cavill fights, but there are some other characters that are just really straight up cheesy. There's, (laughs) there's a hedgehog guy Mm
2: -hmm. who's a
0: knight that gets turned into a hedgehog face. And he's just like really, really like, I guess it's not poorly done because if they're going for a human turned into a hedgehog, Uh I guess it's okay. But he looks like a doctor who character. Oh no. So it's a little silly and it's kind of like, but that's why at some point like you got to say okay this isn't game of thrones this is this cheesy thing
1: okay yeah and so it works it differentiates itself okay
0: and there are some serious parts and there are some interesting parts and there are some obviously some oh shit moments and some really cool monsters that are are neat and the action's pretty good the story's interesting it's only eight episodes it goes really quick Mm -hmm. and once you learn the timeline it's really good They're, yeah, they're around an hour each. It's a typical Netflix show. It's not, uh, it's not trying to be Sherlock or the new Dracula series. Yeah. It's two hour episodes. Uh, Season two will be more linear, they've already said, and they'll start to delve into stuff like the fact that, they don't mention this, but the fact that monsters and and demons are kind of disappearing from the world of the Witcher. Mm -hmm. So his job becomes a little less necessary because the Witcher's whole job is to defeat monsters and he just goes around as a sellsword. Mm Mm-hmm. So when there's no monster's defeat, where is he going to go? People don't like the Witcher. Mm -hmm. Um, A, because Geralt gets a bad reputation as the Butcher of Blaviken in the first episode. He does some things that thinking he did the right thing and it turned out to kind of blow up in his face and kind of carry itself with him for forever. And uh, they just don't like him because he's a Witcher. He's a mutant. He's part monster. He's... An other, which obviously, especially back then, and even in today's world, people don't like the other very much. Yeah. So they, they're not very it's understanding. Scary. Exactly. So even though he tries to do the right thing and he always tries to help people and not murder them and mm-hmm. save the day and try. He's trying to be a white knight in a world that doesn't believe he could be a white knight. And uh, the mysteries of the magic and stuff like that is is all really cool and ties together nicely. And I'm very excited for season two when all the characters are kind of now.
1: So when is that
0: slated connected. to come out? 2021, unfortunately. Not, bad. Not too bad. It's a long wait. Yeah. Especially when the show came out in the end of 2019. Now you got to wait an extra year, but yeah. such is Netflix. And that's what happens when you release a show all at once and you binge it yep. in a week. Or in my <laughs> case, four days. It's yeah. like I watched all eight episodes in four days.
1: That's your own fault. <laughs>
0: so now I want more. Same thing with Altered Carbon. But my review on The Witcher is you should watch it. It's very good. It's got a little bit of cheese. It's If you're looking for a new Game of Thrones this, this will could suffice. be <laughs> if you're only like Game of Thrones because of its serious tone and stuff like that maybe if you can't accept that this has a little cheese and it is its own thing I, I don't I don't know it's tough
1: if it'll fit the bill. okay
0: if you're just looking for fun fantasy um that's not super nerdy it's not two Dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. uh kind of like this this might be okay it's still got a lot of adult stuff it's still got boobies it's got shirtless guys for you ladies or other guys that like that. You know, it's got fighting, it's got action, it's got some heart, it's got comedy, it's got swearing, and it's got an interesting story. It's got something for everybody. It's just got a little more cheese than Game of Thrones. Yeah, it it knows it's in a world of fantasy, whereas Game of Thrones used that a little sparingly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This definitely goes full on. This is this is it. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was a real good time, so I would I would check it out. So that is my review on The Witcher. What you got, baby?
1: I got some news, but first I would have liked a, uh, another glass of wine, please. (laughs) Let me
0: uh, me guzzle this down. All
1: right. So I've got some news tidbits for you. All right. Fellow Lizzie McGuire fans. We got some potentially pretty bad news this week.
0: It's not potentially pretty bad news. It's, it's bad
1: news. (laughs) So Disney plus has officially halted production after filming just two episodes. According to TV guide, a Disney spokesperson said, quote, we concluded that we need to move in a different creative direction and are putting a new lens on the show. And while I do appreciate that Disney Plus claims that this is because fans have a sentimental attachment to Liz McGuire, which is true, and high expectations for a new series, I can't help but wonder why it is that Terry Minsky, the creator and showrunner for the original series, is somehow suddenly not the right person for this job. Does it make sense? And now we have to worry about them finding a replacement who can still do the show justice. And also find them basically in a rush so that it doesn't throw off the production schedule and have the show hit major delays. Um, I think I also mentioned this to you when I found it out that I feel that much worse for Hilary Duff because if you follow her on social media, I'm pretty sure she would have received this news literally in the middle of her honeymoon, which is which is pretty awful. Um, So I will be keeping my fingers crossed that there aren't any deeper issues here at hand um, and that everything gets back on track as soon as possible. In the meantime, I will be continuing to rewatch the old episodes on my lunch break at work. (laughs) (laughs) And my second bit of news is that right on the heels of Golden Globes um, last week, hosted by Ricky Gervais for his fifth and final time, the hosts for next year's Golden Globes have already been announced. And it will be Tina Fey and Amy Poehler returning.
0: So this would be their second time, right?
1: This is their third time. The duo will actually be returning for their fourth time as co-hosts. They did 2013 or 2012 to 2015, claiming that in 2015 that they were done. And I mean, I, I know Ricky Gervais had his reputation as being like controversial or whatever.
0: You mean fucking funny? Yeah, I, yeah,
1: exactly. I never took issue with any of his jokes, but I didn't think that he did an especially amazing job as host either. Like
0: he was great as host because he was the exact opposite of the Oscar host. He wasn't kissing anyone's ass. Yeah. His jokes were directed at the actor's expense yeah, they because they were for the audience. And it
1: made them and extremely like uncomfortable, said, which is. They're all super rich. Funny.
0: People are there to watch them anyway. Yeah. You're all everyone's going to die. Just enjoy it while you can. It's like I I, I love Ricky Gervais. I think he's hilarious.
1: Well, I'm probably probably biased as a product of their SNL generation but I think that Amy and Tina are a comedy dream team so hopefully uh, next year I will have seen enough movies to make watching the the golden Globes worth it um they're if good. not I'm still tune I'm still gonna tune in for it because
0: their first hosting gig great. was really good yeah their subsequent ones were
1: they, they have amazing okay. chemistry. Um, I'm excited to see them together again because I, I can't remember the last time they worked together.
0: They're different as hosts than Gervais, whereas Gervais is more like straight up like basically he's doing like a stand up routine at you. Yeah. When they do it they're they're more like everything they come up, it's like a skit. So that which comes from obviously their Saturday Night Live background background. But yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, more skit like
1: they, they didn't they both start out as like improv i did i'm know pretty sure amy, amy Poehler, Poehler did the comedy or something brigade
0: i'm pretty sure she was at upright citizens brigade upright Citigan, or, yeah. or something similar yep um i don't know about Tina, no because they Tina met five. they met in the same before saturday night live they were mm-hmm. they met in the same thing so i don't so know it if it was upright been. but i know it was a comedy um an improv comedy group yes yeah
1: so that's so yeah, cool i'm excited for a whole year from now just like you for the Witcher.
0: <laughs> basically <laughs> that it for news for you
1: that's my news
0: well, i got a few other news bits on the heel of that um I was going to say it before, but on the heel of that, I should mm-hmm. mention that the Oscars this year have also just announced that they are going host list once again. Oh, okay. which
1: it worked last it was year. OK. Yeah.
0: Having the different presenters.
1: It seemed a little just dis- disjointed, like they weren't exactly sure if it was going to work, but it ended up working. It ended up
0: being OK. It's better yeah. than having a bad host.
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: I mean, they just need to clone a like a robot Billy Crystal who only does uh, the Oscars. That's that's what they need. I actually really like Chris Rock, too. I thought Chris Rock's Oscars were yeah. awesome, but he went kind of Ricky Gervais style and made fun of a lot of actors and and
1: they didn't I, take it well. Yeah,
0: they he pissed off the wrong people, which was awesome. When he pisses off Sean Penn, I love it. <laughs> that dude's an ass. <laughs> great actor. Does a lot of charity work. Great guy. Kind of an ass. <laughs> what a mensch. <laughs> uh, But yeah, so I have a couple of things that first I want to say something you already know because I sent you a text and you were all excited about it. And I was the third one to tell you. But New York (laughs) City is going to open their first flagship Harry Potter store. Which, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you've been to Harry Potter World, the, the, the flagship Harry Potter stores are all in Diagon Alley. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's true.
1: That's you, a lie.
0: <laughs> you got beat to it. But the, uh, so the first flagship store will be three stories high and it'll be located on Broadway, which is nice. It'll next to the, Flat the Iron Flatiron building. building. Yeah. Which is also kind of cool. So it'll be
1: Hagrid in Broadway,
0: but a little bit toward the end. Like (laughs) you're still going to have to walk when you get to Broadway because most people put you in Broadway right off Times Square. Yeah. And uh, so it's it'd be a little further away
1: from there. Yeah. A little bit of a walk.
0: That's fine. Because you know what's close by the M&M store. Yes. (laughs) But obviously there's a whole bunch of Harry Potter themed stuff they can sell. If you've been to Harry Potter World, you'll know that Harry Potter themed stuff is numerous and a lot.
1: Yeah. Harry I mean, they, they have such a universe to pull from as far as merchandising yeah. goes.
0: In uh, Harry Potter came out in when?
1: It was published in the United States, I believe in 99. I could be wrong.
0: So they've got 20 Sorry. something years yeah. of a universe to pull from. I, oh, yeah. I, at this point, the Harry Potter universe is almost as 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 wide and complete as like Star Wars. I mean, maybe not quite Star Trek, because Star Trek really is. If you talk about completionist mm-hmm. <laughs> history and stuff like that, Star Trek is kind of kind of the one to beat but i would say like harry potter universe stuff is like as complete as like star wars and stuff like that in terms of like what you can do with your your merchandise so they can purchase items inspired by harry potter as well as fantastic beasts And possibly also not just the films, but um, stuff from the Broadway show as well. It'll have special offerings, personalized wands and robes, interactive experiences, photo opportunities are also available, but nothing was really described in any kind of specific detail. The opening date for the store is forthcoming, so they don't know exactly when it will open quite yet.
1: But well, you better believe I will be in that line.
0: <laughs> well, we live quite close to New York City. Yeah. It is really not far. Oh, from Oh, it's going to be all. insane. We're essentially New York City suburb where yeah. we live, so she'll she'll be there. <laughs> uh, the other bit of news, um, I actually have two things of news, but the other one's not loading right now.
1: I, I have to I have to admit I was a little off. It was published here in the United States first in 1998,
0: course, not 1999. I'm a terrible fan. <laughs> so uh, today. As of this recording, we have read that there is going to be a new Silence of the Lamb sequel series headed to CBS that will follow Clarice Starling
2: in a post-Hannibal
0: Lecter uh, world. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, obviously, Clarice Starling is based on the uh, Science of the Lambs novel and film. Mm -hmm. The novel is written by Thomas Harris. The film obviously starred Jodie Foster in an Oscar-winning role. And this story, though, is going to be interesting because the Silence of the Lambs sequel series cannot talk about Hannibal Lecter, much in the same way that the Hannibal show, which is one of the best shows um, of the last decade. Yeah. Could not really do Clarice Starling, which is why they never did a Science of the Lambs uh, season, oh. though they wanted to. They could never get the rights to it. So the show will have to kind of work around that because MGM owns the rights to Science of the Lambs. So they have Clarice, but they because Hannibal appears in other novels and past novels, they don't have the rights to that. Oh,
1: that sucks.
0: So this is not going to be like the Lifetime original series that was supposed to um, be about Clarice Starling. Okay. That has, I guess, since failed. But this will be set in 1993, a year after the events of Science of the Lamb. And it's going to be a deep dive into the untold personal story of Clarice Starling as she returns to the field to pursue serial murderers and sexual predators while navigating the high stakes political world of Washington, D.C. It'll be a procedural crime drama. My issue with the show is, A, you can't talk about Hannibal Lecter, which he is a huge influence on her.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How is it? Like in the novel so Hannibal, which a- came after, like she fell in love with him, kind of. And he's in love yeah. with her in their own sick way. You can't focus on that. It's CBS, not CBS All Access. And Hannibal is a very mature show. Oh, and while NBC yeah. really pushed the envelope, CBS is really. I'm sorry if you watch CBS and you like CBS. It's bad. And the shows are bad. <laughs> and the shows are boring and played out. And, and safe. Safe. Very safe. Very safe. Because they're mm-hmm. for old people to go to sleep to. Yep. There's a great joke in family guy where uh, they're watching JAG. And the guy goes, <laughs> they're talking about the case. And the guy goes, what does it matter? It's just banter for the old folks back over here to fall asleep to. And he turns <laughs> to the monitor and like, knocks on. Are you okay, old guys? You want to sleep? Sleep dreams? sweet dreams? <laughs> sweet dreams. Uh, but that's kind of what I think about CBS. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people you know, under the age of 55 think about CBS. Yeah. As, It's like, well, I want to watch the show. Will it be exciting? Will it be interesting? Will it be dark and gritty? You know, it needs a certain level of darkness to really portray the world. Oh, yeah, to
1: be true to the story. Yeah,
0: Thomas Harris's novels. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can't see how posts you are talking about Clarice Starling, who just got back after doing the Science of the Lambs case. Mm
1: -hmm. But you you can't talk about it. You can't talk
0: about how it's affected her. Or are they going to create different characters? It's like, instead of Buffalo Bill, it would be like, what's it <sighs> going to be? Uh, Antelope Joe and Cannibal Flector. Uh, like, I don't understand <laughs> what they're going to do with the show. So I'm excited for it because of how good the NBC show was, which I also didn't think would be as messed up as it ended up being. Yeah. And, you f- know, fantastic. Yeah. In, the, in the best way possible. I mean, they made me want to eat people like that. That food looked delicious. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> and Mads Mickelson as Hannibal. Like,
1: oh, he's... I want to see him in, so, in everything. Yeah.
0: You think Anthony Hopkins does a great job as Hannibal. And then you watch Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. And you're just like, you know what? I don't think I like Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter anymore. <laughs> so I want to watch the show. I'm excited for it. They have not cast Clarice yet. So we don't know who's playing her. I hope the show is going to be good. Alex Kurtzman is directing, is pr- executive producing it. Nice. And he obviously produced The Fringe, Sleepy Hollow and Star Trek on TV, but also the Star Trek reboot series as well. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff.
0: Also, my last bit of news, if you are a big fan of Star Trek, which you should be, as as most people know, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. Star Trek Picard starts uh, on January 23rd. It's going to be awesome. I hope. Stars Patrick Stewart. Jonathan Frakes is coming back. Uh, Maria Curtis is coming back as Troy. Hugh the Borg is going to be back. Uh, Who knows how many cameos they're going to have. I'm very excited for this show. I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek: The next generation. I love the character of Captain Picard. I'm super excited. I hope it's great. But the little bit of news is not only we'll be probably covering our reviews of it during this podcast, Mm -hmm. but they have just announced officially Picard is coming back for a second season. Oh, wow. So the season one hasn't even started yet. And they've already announced season two is coming. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I know. I'm. I hope, but sometimes also a show like this with that much buzz, mm-hmm. they'll just be like, "There's too much buzz to say no." Oh, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. I mean, almost certainly, I hope it's good. Yeah. It's got an amazing writing crew. It's got Patrick Stewart back as an executive producer, as helping craft the story. Brent Spiner's back as somebody, maybe Data. Who knows who he is? Hmm. Um, I'm excited for the show. I hope it's great. Season two as well. And Discovery should be back as well at at a later point this year as well, which is also a very good electric show.
1: Despite being on CBS.
0: (laughs) It is CBS All Access, so it's not quite CBS. Anyway, that is it for my news.
1: So I think that wraps it up for this week.
0: Uh, yeah. Let me uh, continue sipping on my hiatus.
1: Hiatus. It's, it's really By good. By
0: Knocking Point Wines.
1: Highly recommend subscribing.
0: Yep. I'm sure we'll do another episode with the other wines at, at some point. At some point. Um, Maybe even the pure and evil.
1: Ooh, yeah, that'd be wines. good.
0: So we'll see. But we uh, shouldn't
1: crack open two bottles in one night, though. That that, that seems like a waste. That Ooh. is true. Although it would be. Ah, I'm so torn. Who knows? We'll see.
0: Here's what we know for now. We out. (laughs) I'm Mike Butler.
1: And I'm Elise. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and Stitcher. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Kraken One Open. If you have any questions, suggestions or whatnot, you can also email us at KrakenOneOpen at gmail.com. You got any plugs for us?
0: A well, special thanks to Joe Reichert for, or do you do that after the plug? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call yes. you out for forgotten it. You did it after the plugs? Yeah. Okay, never mind. All right. Well, if you like the sound of my smooth, buttery, beautiful voice. You can hear me on uh, other podcasts, such as Forgotten Cinema, that I do with my friend Mike Field, where we talk about movies that, for whatever reason, seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on in its initial run. We discuss what we love about the movie, what we don't love about it, why we think the movie was forgotten, and whether it's worth a revisit, which we always decide it is, because you should always visit new films. So if you like that, if you like films, if you like hearing me talk... That's at Forgotten Cinema. You can visit us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or you can visit us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. All places podcasts are available. We also have a merch store if you want to give me some money and buy some... Uh advertising uh, <laughs> that you could walk around in we have that as well i've also got two player bros that i do with my brother alex where we talk about all things video game related not much has gone on with that podcast as of late but uh coming soon there will be some stuff there might be a visit to PAX coming up in the future that we're going to cover um at least i'll be covering maybe some new co-hosts maybe some new segments so we'll see what's going on with that uh, that's two player bros you can visit that at twoplayerbros.com. you can Listen to us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also on the social medias at Two Player Bros as well.
1: And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers, baby. Cheers. Clink.